Welcome to the Popcorn Junkies. Welcome to the Popcorn Junkies. We've got uber amounts of caffeine, uber amounts of coffee, because it's late on an Easter Monday. It's been a long, indulgent Easter weekend. I can't hear out of this ear. And, it's uh, copying me, folks. Anyway, no, so we're reviewing The Northman, Robert Eggers's The Northman. The Viking epic coming in at a staggering 147 minutes or something, two, two and a quarter hours. This is obviously directed by Robert Eggers, who brought us The Witch, um, starring Anne. In fact, it introduced Anya Taylor-Joy to us. It did, you know, the did it, audience, didn't it? Uh, And introduced us to Robert Eggers. Uh, he then went on to make the fascinating Lighthouse. and bizarre The Lighthouse, starring Robert Pattinson and uh, Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Who shows up here as well. And I have to say, I think of those two original films, I much preferred The Lighthouse just for its granular oddity it was sort of yeah. extreme close-up of, of strange men yeah. and sort of the slow unwinding of madness so he's done sort of horror and he's done odd and he's done sort of i mean the lighthouse was also about sort of faith and belief and yeah mermaids and it was yeah. it was great the lighthouse superstition much, and all that kind of stuff much different. so here we have the uh, the northman and this is ba this is the, a, a viking classic it's interesting in the genesis of this this film it's written by robert eggers but it's also writ co-written by Sion. Sion, S-J-O-N. Oh, yeah. Who Sion. is this? And Sion is an Icelandic author that Robert Eggers met when he went for tea at Bjork's Gaff in Iceland. No. She oh. said, who must? You know, no, a sort of strange Cockney Icelandic accent, which I can't do. You must meet my friend Sion. Oh. They met. Uh, and having been to Iceland, the, yeah, I forget I what they're called, the, 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 the old books of old, the, the, the there's a name for them, like 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 the Testaments, but they're, I forget what they are. Someone will know what they are. Um, but these epic stories of old, mm -hmm. they're a huge part of Icelandic modern day culture. For example, most modern Icelanders can trace or will trace their lineage back to the people in these origin stories. Really? The, oh, that the, is quite stories, fascinating. These medieval archaic stories and what have you. So it means a lot to them. It, it's an immense thing to... to and, and interestingly, Bjork in interview was talking about the fact that she views beyond obviously she said the vikings and their their sort of notoriety for rape and pillage and yeah, all that kind of stuff yeah. she said once the viking era had happened she, she iceland is very much she said this would be interesting for you she views iceland as the kind of libra library of europe and the world just annotating noting and observing the world Whoa, that's fascinating which is interesting isn't it so anyway yeah so sion met robert sion, eggers sion. and together they conceived this which is based on a, a true uh, viking story prince amleth of Opluth. hamlet in other is, words hamlet. yeah and this has been talked about as, as the inspiration or uh, the source material for shakespeare's hamlet which therefore means that the story is pretty straightforward yeah death of father avenge father <laughs> save mother kill uncle. uncle yeah or to quote alexander skarsgård i will avenge you father i will save you mother I will kill you, Svesnva. And you've got to say that with huge... And you have to walk around. What like are these muscles called? Trapezoids, I think they trapezoids. are. I've never seen trapezoids like I, Hench comes to mind when you look at him. He's hench. What does hench mean? Sort of... Yes. It's sort of... I mean, usually aren't muscles in other places, mm. not here. Yeah. Anyway, so th this story is set, at so the beginning of this film, is set on an island off the coast of Northern Ireland in the North Atlantic somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see Ethan Hawke, the king, the king of the Vikings. He arrives home to his queen, Nicole Kidman, and his son was incredibly small and incredibly idolatry of his father. And he had a haircut similar to yours when you were young. I felt it was like watching me. I must have, this little must boy, have been. This little boy, and he was as irritating as he I was. He certainly was. <laughs> He was an irritating little fucker. He was. Uh, and he ran around. And so the long and the short of it is, is that Ethan Hawke's dad has been injured in a manner that is terminal. 
He doesn't reveal that. No. He's got a very bad wound. Yeah. And so consequently, he hands over, he's handing over the sort of mantle of, of, of rule, ruling to, uh, to his son. I wasn't sure how Ethan Hawke would play that. I've never seen him in a sort of... Um... No big you know meaty uh physical role yeah how he did was, you think he played it he was fine he was quite big and meaty he was big and meaty yeah and he's not big and meaty he's not normally no no i thought quite quickly it dawned on me that this wasn't what i thought it was going to be and i don't quite know what i thought it was going to be no. actually but within the first scene i was struck by how unmanicured and un sort of prettified the scene setting was it was incredibly raw incredibly real yeah. you know they often say like you know in these kind of old films set in forts and castles that actually in the real world it would have been echoey and very unhospitable yeah, inhospitable and freezing cold and so you had that i thought there was a real sense of all oh, this is real and this is cold and this is dank and this isn't particularly mm -hmm. pleasant mm -hmm. what i'm trying to say is it doesn't invite you in comfortably as no a film, I no except and i'm going to say my this 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 is mainly why i wanted to do the review is that the thing that absolutely impressed me the most about this film from the moment it started is the camera, was the camera. I've, I've never quite seen films filmed in that way. I found it was astonishing. Now, I can't exactly tell you why, because I don't know the, te the technicalities of a camera, but it, we were swooping everywhere and I felt like I was with them, in them, round the back of them and... Mm. It, it was a well, Anya Taylor-Joy said in an interview that an, an enormous number of the takes in this film were long, multi-setup takes. So, for example, you know, the camera would move through things, around things, yeah. behind things. And like she said, a little bit like the scenes, though not nowhere near as long as the, the takes in 1917, she said, if you got it wrong, the mm. re, you'd have to re-strike, go back oh, to the beginning and start well, again. maybe that's what so I there mean was some then, quite, yeah. yeah, it was very elaborate in their yeah. kind of execution of those, of those scenes. I mean, in terms of the camera work and look, it was incredibly natural light, naturally yes, lit. Yes, there and was at a night, big grade to it, yeah, yeah, where you felt they were struggling for light sources. They kind of allowed that to struggle. Mm -hmm. So when you had just firelight, it wasn't like artificially created firelight. Yeah. Everything was quite, it felt very real. It felt like you were watching this through real weather and real air. And, and, and real, real things. I mean, one of... Elemental. It was elemental. elemental. But also the things that they used, like, for example, the Viking ship. Yes. Which was totally a Viking yeah. ship. Yeah, 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 yeah. So in that sense, with them all rowing. rowing. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I thought that was fantastic. But also a bit of CGI going on in there because, oh, you know, at the, right at the beginning when that first uh, raven flies in front of the, the... That was a bit naff. But I felt... Here's the thing. I think sometimes Robert Eggers goes for a bit naff on those wide shots. Oh, maybe. I think it's a stylistic choice. So it was kind of blindingly obvious that some of those Viking longships were were CGI'd and weren't really heading towards that castle. It was pretty obvious the raven didn't pull into shot at the perfect time that the camera was flying through the air. No, but they did have Viking ships just like that. No, 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 yeah. no I know. But what I'm saying is that I mean, there are many moments in this film, for example, the ride up to Valhalla where yeah. CGI and all sorts of special there are lots of special visual effects visual, oh, visual okay. effects in okay. this uh, we haven't talked about who's in the film Alexander Skarsgård stars as Prince Amleth uh, the, the Northman mm -hmm. um, you've got Bjork in there as one of the shamans for two minutes for two minutes yeah she's only in there for two minutes you've got Willem Dafoe as one of the other shamans Anya Taylor-Joy plays a sort of sorceress seeress type who becomes his love interest and then obviously Ethan Hawke as we said father Nicole Kidman interestingly Nicole Kidman's growing on me again at the moment yeah I know, know what you mean yeah. I know what you mean I thought she was good yeah because she was restrained for the first half yeah. of the film and then she went for it yeah. didn't she? so we've got a classic situation where Ethan gets you see this in the trailer he gets hit by the arrows and suddenly we're in a vengeful situation where boy goes i will avenge you father i will save you mother i will kill you uncle and that really is about as complex as the plot gets it is isn't it yeah let me let me say a word because we haven't mentioned because i don't think we know his name the uncle who yeah. is is a presence 
and he is a good presence. He's, he's sort of he's not as well known as Skarsgård. Well, you said you said he played Dracula. He in played the BBC Dracula in the thing that they yeah, did. Forget a good, his name. Yeah, no, I've forgotten his name, but he's very good at camera wise. You, I liked him, him though. I, I preferred him. him to Ethan. And me. Yeah, and I thought that was there's an intriguing twist. I preferred in, him to Alexander. Well, there's an intriguing twist in the film where you, you sort of end up thinking. Who's the right bad guy? Here? Yes. Who's and I think that's where probably the film becomes quite interesting because it delivers on that idea that Vikings are sort of morally dubious. Mm. There's a lot of women dragged off. There's lots of people burnt in huts uh, after they've raided and pillaged villages. Mm -hmm. I mean, basically, Skarsgård goes on to become a, a, a quintessential Viking. I mean, with a battle axe, he ascends walls of forts. He cleaves people's heads in half. He drags women around. He just hits and chops and kills and roars. I mean, his roar. I've never seen an actor roar like, no. a, like a wolf. No, and I think they must have had acting lessons for that because must he was pretty amazing. He was, he was again, elemental. And I keep going back to this thing. Elemental, one, one good of the word, things good that, word. Although the whole film isn't set in Iceland, one of the things that you get when you do travel to Iceland is the sense that the land is alive. The land is always breathing. And Whoa. I thought this film did a really excellent job. And I think that was down to the grade, the grain of the footage, the elemental colours where they amplified the ochres yeah, and yeah, the, the greys yeah. and the whites and the you know so you have the you got a real sense of texture to everything. You did. And if you think of Vikings, it's all about wood, it's all That's about fur. That's what I'm talking about, about when I say stuff. the film. I'm yeah. using the wrong word for that, yeah. but you really felt it. And, and that is something of Iceland, and I'd have thought that was a really key aspect for Bjork. I mean, if you think of Bjork's moment in this, it's an incredible. It's like a, it's like a mini Bjork video. You mm -hmm. know, she's got this amazing headdress on. She's got no eyes. Mm -hmm. She's telling all this sort of. She, she sees. She foresees a future of him becoming a mm -hmm. king and becoming this and the other. Mm. Um, so I thought that was I thought that was all remarkable. But he so you know once he so his father's killed, he grows he's, he he flees. They think they've killed him. They, mm -hmm. You know, it's a little bit like that Snow White, isn't it? Yes, mm. he, we killed him. We yeah. killed him. They say yeah. to yeah. the uncle. Yeah. But they haven't killed him, have they? No. But what did he do before he fled? What did he do? Tell he me. Bit someone's nose off. He certainly did, and that man became the man with no nose all the way through it. What a one of my favourites. He, now there's a particular moment in the film where he's. Yes extraordinarily pissed off with something that's happened and as a character or someone walks past him he fires snot out of the two holes remaining in his face yes did you see that bit i didn't i didn't he went and just fired okay snot. it was a boy's moment that was it was i wanted to see it again and again and again because he just had two holes in the middle of his face i thought that was a great sort of visual thing, yeah. didn't you for, yeah. for a soldier because he carried on being a soldier oh yeah 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 and yeah. he had the sort of visor there to protect yes, his nose exactly. but he had no nose exactly. there um so anyway we keep jumping around a bit so so yeah so he becomes a raping pillaging um horrendous viking and then manages to inveigle himself onto a slave ship where he pretends to be a slave doesn't he with, with anya taylor George? yeah well, I, they'd lost me very slightly yeah i thought it got a bit baggy around that yeah i yeah. thought yeah really suddenly yeah. he's on a sort of slave ship and then basically becomes a slave that to be sold and by being sold in the right way to the right places he finds himself positioned in an optimum moment place to enact revenge it is like hamlet coming back isn't it and like what, yeah uh, yeah the so he's gone away and he's grown up. I mean, yeah, one of the things yeah, absent, yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry to interrupt. One of the things that's very much absent from this, and I want to know what your thoughts on this are. It's a very unpsycho psychological film. Yeah. Where, whereas Hamlet is an incredibly psychological play, and yeah. actually they say it's one of the most psychological, and psychoanalytical. You know, you have complex, complex character development in Hamlet. And I thought there really wasn't complex character no, development. Yeah, but that's totally because all these sort of uh, monologues that come from Hamlet are self-doubting. He's yeah. a self-doubter. Yeah. There's nothing self-doubting about this guy. No. For a little boy, he's going to avenge his father. I yeah. mean, it's as simple as that. Yeah. And there's almost nothing else to be said. But did you, you know that I, I felt if there was a weakness in the film, uh -huh. it was the lack of complexity to his mission. It's the fact that... so for, so, that for, was... so, for example, for... 
I don't know what you think. For me, the moment it became most interesting, we're jumping all over here, but, you know, see it. We're not, we're not going to give you a blow-by-blow account no. of the story. Suffice it to say, he inveigles himself close to his uncle so that, you know, revenge can be enacted. Yeah. Uh, and I thought it was a particularly rich moment where he does inveigle himself into the kind of his uncle's community. Mm -hmm. I thought I liked what was going on there. But the moment where he confronts his mum, Yes, that was that for me was the most complicated it got psychologically. Yeah, that that was that was. And so part of me kind of wished there'd been that complexity in his character parked a little bit earlier because I think it was kind of almost the mission. His mission statement and the mission of the film was as simplistic as we come to think of Vikings. Yes, as, yes, just, whoa, whoa, whoa. yes. Stop. Yes. Revenge. Exactly, exactly. But I think they were leading. They were leading up to that. The, the Nicole yes, Kidman yeah, 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 were. thing, weren't they? And and that was played well. It was played well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what kept you watching then? I mean, if so, we it's a very simple film. It is, but that's why I sort of maybe I haven't stressed it enough. The visuals, the yeah. visuals of it, I thought were fantastic. Yeah. I mean, far more than often with me, it's the actors or the writing. There was no writing that was particularly anything. It's told in chapters. It's told in sort of like a chapter thing. It, we were leading up to the Nicole Kidman thing. I thought the uncle was great. I love the visuals and I've never been to Iceland, but I think that he conveyed, and I don't know where it was actually filmed, but he certainly conveyed the that idea of, as you've explained it, of the living landscape. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was fantastic. Well, you, it makes sense of the Nordic myth and, and the yes. Nordic kind of gods and yes. all that, that they're, they're inextricably entwined with landscape, yes. weather, yes. The mutability and changeability. I mean, you know, all, always in the background there's a volcano. You know, you felt like you were watching a lot of it through volcanic ash. Yeah. You know, there was that sense. I mean, I think it's absolutely impeccable the way it looks and the way it, the oh, way good, it good. engages so with all of that. I thought the way it was edited, I, th I thought that was great. I mean, you know... Also, on. let me just say this. There was a, um, a sort of linking thing, which I, I've always, always absolutely adore. You don't see it that often in films, of a sort of totem... A totem pole wasn't there of a tree a magic tree oh. we were going up and down up and down up and down with everybody sort of on it that we meet yeah um i love that i love that it's and the, the thread that, of fate the thread of fate mm. and the fact that we kept returning to it and the other thing which is slightly different but i also love the filming of it is that he did a lot of the um fight scenes and the chasing well, not chase but yeah. you know getting to where they were going scenes as a sort of freeze, he he went along. Yes. The thing. I love that. I'm yeah. an absolute. Well, there, there, there's a particular scene where near the beginning where they raid a village, and yes. I, I was captivated yes. by where they shot that. Yes. You know the way the way they went over the the fort, yes. wall down the next side, lands on a horse, walks through, roars into camera, pushes on. I mean, there's some virtuoso camera work, virtuoso That's editing. That's the first time I've ever felt that thing of, you know, I yeah. mean, usually on, on that sort of example, I'm with Monty Python thinking he's been a very naughty boy. <laughs> but you sort of don't believe yeah. that they could possibly scale. I no. believe they could scale no. the walls. I also, I what I quite liked about it was it really reminded you of how life and death was an incidental thing cheap. in those days. Very it was cheap. cheap. I mean, Very but cheap, cheap even... So our lead character, there are many occasions when he could have easily just taken an axe to the neck mm. and there's no fear for themselves. So again, that the mentality of these characters is one of... It, you know, we're reduced down to the bare act of survival, kill or be killed. Yeah. And the way in which lives are just thrown away, you know, the way in which there's a moment where the uncle towards the end says, I want which one of you knows what happened to the, some of his soldiers who've been killed, just slices one throat and says, that'll happen to you if you don't know, slices another throat, that'll happen to you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and there was a moment, there's a moment whilst... Um, Alexander Skarsgård is embedded within his uncle's village, almost like he's he's parked himself there waiting for the right yes, moment to yes. seek revenge. This is a spoiler review. Yep. To seek revenge and en enact yes. revenge. Um, where he essentially chops up loads of um, <laughs> loads of the uncle's 
son's friends, soldiers within his encampment, and sort of creates a strange, grotesque kind of sculpture yeah. out of them, nailed yeah. to a thing. And at yeah. that point, I thought there were mo there were big moments in this film which reminded me of Midsummer. Yes. Did it yes. get you that? Yes. I mean, I, yes. Uh, and I suppose that's all the kind of you know the outdoor mythic. You know that sort of folklorish kind yeah. of horror and all but that. But you know the idea that if you live in if you live in the landscape, you do things like say like with bird, with birds of prey, you nail them up. You you do things mm. to keep them away. Ward things Ward off. Ward things off. Thank yeah. you. And that was what he was doing with yeah. that. I tell you what, I didn't quite understand, and I hope you're going to explain this to me. The Anya Taylor Joy bit. Mm. I felt I'd missed how they got together. Why they got together. Do, do you know why? I mean, was there a particular reason why it was her? I just think they were drawn to each other. And her group of women, because they were a particular group of women, weren't yeah, they? I don't know. I felt there was... A... She sensed in him, she saw something in him and connected. She was she was a white witch, wasn't she? she yeah. She was casting spells and giving That's it all right. that That's right, and it was malarkey. that, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think to... she... And I think it was about fate. I mean, the whole film is about the thread of fate, isn't it? I mean, they, mm. they use that phrase at one point. Because a um, couple of times he saved her. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I mean, but, I mean, I think, you know, they, they were betrothed. There was a there was a okay. spark yeah. of some form yeah, that okay. was kind of struck there. Yeah, yeah. There were a couple of moments in it there that I thought were kind of standout moments. And one of them was, there's the point when he's in his uncle's encampment waiting to kind of strike, mm. where he goes off to see another shaman, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, who has the head of Willem Dafoe. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, and he tells him to go and get a sword. Yes. So it becomes quite Arthurian. Arthurian this yeah. film delivered for me what I was hoping the Green Knight would give me. I wondered if you if you thought about that. Yeah, I, uh, the you Green know, Knight everything can... I was hoping the Green Knight would give us, this film gave me. And yeah. the thing that it was that I wasn't expecting it to be became the thing that I really liked about it, oh, okay. which was that it's an extraordinary film with extraordinary visuals and, mm -hmm. and an extraordinary story. But actually, it's all quite ordinary. Yes. In terms of, it's not a very complex plot. It's no. not a very complex thing that he's doing. No. The settings are actually, you know, sometimes magical, but they're very ordinary. It's a hut on a hill, you know. You know, I settled into it. I settled into believing I was in this world and in this space. Yeah, and maybe that's because I agree in one sense that it was all ordinary, but the sensibilities are totally exactly. extraordinary. Exactly. And that's why... That's why it got me. Yeah. I mean, I was looking at stuff that, yes, I mean, in a, in a living landscape that I don't know and that I was fascinated by, but there were these people sort of behaving in ways that you can only sort of think of, well, like the present situation in Ukraine or something where yeah. people were doing things so awful yeah. to other people. Yeah. And as you say, because life had become so cheap, you accepted that. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I yeah. loved the sort of idea of the line of fate running through. Mm. And I mean, I loved all of that. Mm. There was also another particularly odd scene. What about the <laughs> unexpected scene of what could only be described as lacrosse slash Quidditch yes. slash hockey? Yes. I thought... There was this curious moment where a game, a sports game, a game happened. Yeah. And Alexander Skarsgård looked as confused by as his a, inclusion in the game as the rest of yeah. us. And didn't one of the people say, you'll know in a minute what this is? And I was thinking, really? Yeah, and we did Was it lacrosse? Was, was it? it? No. So they ended up playing a game. The, the aim of the game was to hit the ball and it hit a, a pole. Yeah. Um, and it just, not surprisingly, got increasingly more and more violent yeah. and vicious. Yeah. Uh, and nearly involved the death of uh, the uncle's son because he yeah. ran onto the pitch like yeah. I would have done. But basically it wasn't a head, which you could have imagined that it might have been. Yeah. It was a proper Very game. Very hard red ball. It was, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, no, really that, you're right, that was totally... Uh, that, that was a curious, curious Quidditch moment. Well, let's stop. talk about the forms. Alexander Skarsgård, I thought, gave it everything. He certainly did. He was a wolf. In he was. He was a wolf in he wolf's was a wolf clothing. In sheep's clo no, he, he was, was a wolf, wolf in wolf's, wolf's clothing. Yeah, he was. And, um, and yeah. did, did the revenge narrative deliver for you? Yeah, it did. I mean, he was keeping it to himself. Mm. And because everything about him was power, mm. I mean, even when he wasn't using a display of that power in fighting, he was all... 
And maybe that's, in a way, the psychological bit of it was that mm. he was keeping it to himself until it could be released, mm. which I felt was very... Uh, got me completely. Mm. I thought he was brilliant. Um, for me, the thing that kept me there and the thing that fascinated me so much, which I've said already, wasn't so much... I mean, I, I, li I like the story. I like the sort of quest. I love quests. Mm. Um, I wasn't so struck on the sword because I've never been an Arthurian mm. sort of legend person, although it was good it was to see that. It was a bit Pirates there. of Caribbean, though, wasn't it, the way a he got bit. the sword? It, got long, it seemed to get longer and longer as well, which... Well, but also when he had to wrest it off that kind of living dead king. Do you remember? Yes. Yeah, I yeah. thought that was a bit... I but mean, also, I liked it, but it was I a bit didn't... like reminded me of The Mummy. Yeah, but also you are playing with fire in a sense with that type of film in that if you if you veer too close to Monty Python, it's very easy to see it's all going very wrong. Oh, so wrong. it was a little bit like The Knights That Go Near. Yeah, and The Knights That Go his sword gets longer and longer and you're sort of like the, like the Morecambe thing where you don't know what to yeah, do. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, but having said that, it's extremely serious hmm. and he will avenge his mother. And he, They have this lovely scene, which is complicated, the, the relationship between him and his mother. I thought that was a powerful... I thought that was one of the most powerful scenes. It was, yeah. and it's complicated, yeah. isn't it? I mean, yeah. I was picking holes at Well, because she... Essentially, she's sort of... His assumption is that she was taken against her will. Well, exactly. She was taken against her will because there's no two ways about it. When she was lumped over that guy's shoulder, she was not laughing. She, no. So on a, one level, she was trying to appease her son and make him feel that she was OK. Yes. And then in the same breath, she, she then says what a monster Ethan Hawke was. Yes. And she wanted him yes. Dead, and that she'd sanctioned the killing of, of him too. Yes. And then you're sort of thinking, well, maybe she has, is she saying this in order to make him feel more comfortable about having to inevitably kill her? Yeah, yeah. There's so many layers And going also, on she more or less says she hates him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't know whether, again, did she hate him or whether she was saying that to force him yeah, to a place where that he Yeah, that was just... what was good. That was, multi, that was that very, was all... as you say, multi-layered. And I think that was the mo most multi-layered, yeah. I think if I had any quibble with it at all, it would be that I was desperate for more self-doubt mm. in Alexander Skarsgård at an earlier point in the film. Yeah. Uh, and when we got it, and that's why I really liked it when he was in his uncle's encampment and he was trying to, yeah. you know, he basically he won their trust, he was given more responsibilities, he was less of a slave, you felt him getting closer to being yeah. able to enact his yeah. moment of revenge, yeah. he was relating to everyone. So there were so many layers to all yeah. those relationships yeah. going on. He, yeah. he had loyalty to Annie Taylor-Joy, was she going to be raped by the uncle? Yeah. Oh, hang on a minute, this is getting really complex yeah. and really, really layered. Yeah. Um, but the, the go out, hunt, hunt uncle and kill him. Yeah. And in a sense, the end, which was a little bit like a scene from Mordor, Mordor. Um, which was incredibly poetic and mm. beautifully done. I mean, as with all these things, I mean, every scene is beautifully conceived. It's a, yeah, I mean, it really yeah, is yeah. scintillating to watch. To watch, I wasn't entirely certain how I felt about the end. No, no, I don't know either. I mean, but um, off to Valhalla. Yeah, off to Valhalla. I mean, I was just, yeah. I thought we were. Gonna, I thought it was going to be odder. In a sort of not screwball, what's the wrong sort of way? But you know, the lighthouse is just damn right strange. Yeah, and I in was expecting way. something. It wasn't as strange as I was no, expecting it, it to it be. It wasn't, and the odd moments that were, like say, the game, what are we watching, and the yeah. you know various. Um, no, I agree. We, it wasn't that strange. No, it, it was a different type of film to that. It, it was, was. It was the story of a journey. Yeah, I mean, he's you know, lots of people have been sort of suggesting, is this Robert Eggers in thrall? I mean, the budget on this was seventy million dollars. The budgets on his other two were microscopic. I know it was there. huge. On and this. you do worry, you know, is there a worry that you know, given more money, does he know where to park his point of interest? I think 
it's the old, you know, it's being described as the gladiator of the Vikings movies, the gladiator, you know, it's our generation's gladiator movie. Mm. Um, yeah, but at the same time, I don't necessarily think it's going to do as commercially well as the gladiator. No, but that's because of, uh, of your thing where we, we give nothing psychological at no, all. No. We, we have to live it's functional. Living, but maybe somebody would say, well, that's what the Vikings sense. Yeah, I agree. Is. And that's where I think in an ironic way, whilst it's incredibly fantabulous and fantastical and there's there's horses charging around and there's Bjork Icelandic chanting. Icelandic ponies, excuse Icelandic me. ponies, there's Bjork chanting with eyes that aren't there and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. That's where I go back to this strange thing of they present the Viking way of life in a very ordinary way. Yeah. And I think in that ordinariness, you run the risk of losing people. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you need that Hollywoodization. So he's got Hollywood money, but he hasn't Hollywoodized it in, oh, a, in the same really sort of way. Oh, that's really interesting. I don't one. disagree with that at all. But the boy in me, I would pay an enormous amount of money to be able to catch a javelin thrown at me as he did, yeah. and throw it back yeah, and hit the target. Yeah, no, absolutely. That is one hell of a warrior. It was, it is. He is a hell of a warrior. I mean, he's worth every penny. Oh, he really is. Yeah. I felt that there were some some bits that where I almost felt maybe a longer film was planned by him and then got, got sort of, it was too long, because right. there were sort of some scenes with capturing women. There was some Sears, S-W-E-R, mm. like a woman with white hair who mm. seemed to be very important for five seconds yeah. and then disappeared. Oh, she did the sacrifice. And all yes, that but I mean, there, there were a couple of yeah, times I mean, like that where yeah. the women were very, very much incidental, yeah. except for Nicole Kidman. See, that's really weird. At the first, I was impatient, mm. impatient with the film. Okay. And then by the time I was an hour and a half in, I didn't want it to end. You've exactly described my feeling. Exactly. Isn't that weird? Yeah. At yeah. first I was like, fuck's sake, do something, move yeah. on, give us something. Yeah. And then it benefited for that, that that amount of time it had given to the setting up because by the time I was well into it, I was like, I don't want to leave this. I entirely agree. Mark and I saw it separately, but that right. is a very good description of how I felt. At the beginning, it was sort of like, yes, I'm totally with this. It's a sort of Viking romp, if yes. you like. With Skarsgård, I'm going to avenge my father, I'm going to avenge my father. And then it's like, oh, come on, come yeah, on. Yeah. And then suddenly it picked up. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And no. I would agree, I didn't want it to end either. No, no. I could have taken another chapter. Exactly. Okay, so... Do you want me to score it? Yeah. 85. 85. Okay, well, I'm going to give it... I can almost guarantee that this is the kind of film that's going to get richer and richer and richer the longer I think about it. Yeah. And the longer I sit with it. And then I'm looking forward to re-watching it again in about mm -hmm. two or three weeks. Mm. I would give this 92. Oh. I, I thought there was a, yeah, I was really impressed. It took me, at first it held me at arm's length and then it gradually, it, it, it kind of ensnared me mm. and uh, enchanted me. And I just loved the way in which Iceland was, a, or not even yeah. just Iceland, but, you know, it was set on, it was set in the Orkneys at one point, another fictional island somewhere. I just liked the elemental character of place, of oh, mountain, I, I of volcano, that. I of that. sea, of sea. Yeah. I mean, you know, the fact that you could dive into the sea and swim in the freezing water is, yeah. is, is ludicrous, but yeah. you kind of bought into it. I mean, I kept thinking, and I knew that you would know and I don't understand the techniques of the camera, but I kept thinking, I haven't seen camera quite like mm. this before. Mm. And it's all the things that you described mm. earlier, you know, the, the grade, the this, yeah, the well, that. I really like the grade on it. The grade yeah. on it was great. And yeah, uh, yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. I'd love to know what you think. Yeah, yeah? and me. Bye. Oh my God, I just held my fist up like, <laughs> like a stupid idiot. <laughs> For more film and family fun, don't forget to click the subscribe button and make sure to click the bell to never miss an update.